my joke on this expedition to try and find any evidence, dead or alive, to the existence of this. had to restart the computer because the sound wasn't working but it's working yay i am joined this week yet again by jensen hello i will try and keep it more pg this time it's fine as long as i mark it explicit and everyone is warned but your episode is doing very well so i suppose that says something i could be funny there's a possibility (laughs) pretty funny you're funnier than me well i'm funnier than a lot of people that's so that's true that is very true. humble <laughs> don't worry about it well since it's been a couple it's been two weeks yeah it's yeah been a couple it's weeks. been a couple weeks how's how your how's your weeks <laughs> my weeks are great i was on vacation last week we were all supposed to be on vacation last week <sighs> and thanks rona we didn't get to go on a cruise <laughs> But it's okay because um, I took most of the week off and hung out with the old hubster and we got to hang out and like be adults and have less responsibilities for like half a second. So it was nice. I love that. That's good. I'm I rescheduled my vacation the same time as Tyler. So we'll probably do that, too. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Just take some time for you guys. And yeah hang out it's the week before the second week of december nice nap do lots of naps that's what we did nap i don't nap much i napped every day it was amazing i don't know why i'll sleep in but i won't nap see i can't sleep in i don't Mm. know what it is we took alice to daycare every day so there was that well you can't then anyways that's i'm not gonna be able to sleep in anyways i have to make sure my kids get their butts up for school i mean (laughs) they're adults now right well you can close enough i guess sure Set their alarms. That's fine. (laughs) They got this. Yeah, it's fine. Actually, Rylan's not that bad. It's Ashlyn I have to worry about. I'm not even responsible enough to wake myself up, so there's that. Yeah, that's true. I do find I have an internal clock, though, even on the weekends. When I sleep in, it'll be till, like, 8 or (laughs) 9. Yeah, I'm cool with, like, a solid, like, 8.30. That's good for me. Yeah, that's nice. that's, That's a good sleeping yeah, not bad but my body's like let's wake up at 6 30 <laughs> no thank you no uh well i have nothing going on i remember to ghost story <gasps> yes i you told me about that let's yes. tell me so in my paranormal experiences typically it happens at like nighttime or during the dark because you know, ghosts and darkness. Um, but we were at my parents' house, of course, uh, one probably Sunday for dinner. And I think you guys were there, too. Um, but Alice was going back to the back bedroom, the bedroom where um, everything seems to happen. And that's where the kids' toys are at. So, of course, she was going back there. Well, she stops right in front of the hallway, the hallway where everything happens, and just stands right there 
doesn't go into the hallway, just stands and looks up as if somebody's standing there, but nobody's standing there. She comes back to the couch, nothing. She wasn't laughing or smiling. She just came back. Um, and then a little while later, she walked through the hallway just fine. So it's like somebody was standing in the hallway that she could see. Terrible. Goosebumps. Terrible. Ah. No, ah, I hate that. That you know she saw something. Oh, yeah. Because kids and animals always. I don't ah. like when she looks behind me. And it doesn't happen as much now as it used to. But I swear it used to happen all the time. Or like Ooh. Abbott will... Um, when we lived with my parents for a little bit, he would just stop and stare at the hallway. Oh, jeez. I hate it. I don't like it. It is. It's that hallway. It's that the hallway. hallway. That's where everyone oh lives, God. apparently. Jeez. where they hang out. I don't like that. That's a small hallway, too. It's, it's not, like, no and much walking. The funny thing is, like, we were going to buy my parents' house, and I told David, I was like, well, I just want you to know it's haunted. <laughs> He's like, well, the first sign of anything, I'm out. Like, well, I don't think that's how that works. No. I mean, but he stayed there enough. Like, yeah. I feel like something would have happened. He's in doubt. Like, he believes in it, but he's still in doubt. Mm. I know. I know that feeling. He's yeah. like, mm, sure. Yeah. Sure. He just doesn't want it. He's in denial. He is in denial <laughs> because the second he sees something happen, he's going to be out. Kind of like he did the last time. No. Nope. Nope. Not going to do it. He won't. That door just opened. No. No. He was asleep. He didn't want to deal with it. He didn't want to deal with me. No. There's there's one experience that we had that's not paranormal even slightly, but it is funny where my David lived with us for a little while because, of course, we moved in and out of my parents' house like a dozen times. One time... David was living there, I think, before I had moved out initially, and he slept in the other bedroom because my parents were very strict about that, (laughs) and um, I had woken up in the middle of the night because I have insomnia, and I looked towards the door, and I'd seen this mouse come into our, like, it was like a hole in our front door, like, just enough of a gap. To where it could slip in and it would go behind the couch around the board, like around the border of the living room and then like into the hallway and then back out. Oh. And so one night I'm awake and I look at my doorway and my door's cracked open um, and I see the mouse come in and then I see it climb up into, I had one of those like nine cube organizers as my dresser. Oh, yeah. And it was on top of my clothes. (laughs) So I'm like... Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. So I, w- I went in to David's room, got him, and brought him back. And he goes, what do you want me to do about it? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't want to deal with this by myself. And so we sat on my bed until it left. Just watched And it. I think at one point it like went under my bed and I was like, I can't, oh no. I can't sleep. What if it comes onto my bed? And then it just slipped its oh way back god. out of the front door. I was like, this is Kay. not a place for you to come and go, sir. <laughs> but yeah, I, I made him deal with it with me because oh, I'm not awesome. doing this alone. Oh, that's funny. <sighs> I can't believe he just sat on your clothes. What did you just, he just like? Huh. Just watched you. He's like, I know this bitch <laughs> is scared of me. So I'm going to stare at her. 
and it's late and she probably wants to go back to sleep oh that's funny i hate mice and we lived well my parents' house is kind of by a field or was a field it's not anymore so mice were pretty normal spiders are normal because there's a lot of trees around there too but that's just a whole nother issue Yeah, um, yeah Do you remember that one year where the wolf spiders were, like, super bad? Yes. The entire back of our house was full of wolf spiders. It was horrible. At one house that David lived with, um, one of his coworkers and his wife, um, had, they had this, like, small bathroom next to this, like, side living room that they had, and David was on one side of the room and i was by the bathroom and our shoes were right in the middle and a palm-sized spider Ooh. was between there was two of them palm-sized spider was between us and <laughs> i was stuck i couldn't move because my shoes were right there but it was right by the spider and they were fast too oh when yeah we did see them move they were Ugh. really fast and so david went and his roommate, one of them was in the shower. He had to go get him out of the shower to come kill the spider. Because David does not mess with spiders at all. So he killed these spiders. But yeah, it was literally a palm-sized spider. Oh, I've never seen anything like that before. It's like you're in Australia or something. Yeah. Ugh, no. I do not envy you guys there. No. Ugh. I have read something that said it is so unlikely to get bit by a snake or a spider there it's just they have them it's more likely there than it is here yeah <laughs> so i'm i no yeah i don't i don't want to mess with that no. i'm good i don't like i used to really want to go to australia I now do. i'm not so sure <laughs> i still do but it's gonna have to be a solo trip because there's no i'm getting david there no <laughs> No. <laughs> I just want to climb the Sydney Bridge. Oh, the, yeah. That'd be fun. Go to the op, uh, Sydney mm. Opera House. Yep. It's yep. cute. Mm-hmm. And listen to people talk. Okay, there's a few places there I would love to go because, you know, paranormal, supernatural crap that I just want to go see. But I don't, don't want to encounter spiders. I don't want to go where there was... Um, the one serial killer that was based they based wolf creek off of oh yeah that was a good one the guy's scary yeah but i do want to go to the Irwin zoo mm. i will say that oh yeah yeah, yeah i do too <sighs> okay so cute all right we are 11 minutes in and i'm going to tell you a interesting fact that i learned the other day yes nike their their saying, their mm-hmm. motto is just do it. Just do it. Do you know where they got that motto from? No. It was actually from a serial killer's last words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so said serial killer back, well, not even like a serial killer. He Okay, he murdered two people enough well serial killer has to be three okay so he's not a serial killer but he killed two people he wanted to be yeah he was on his way almost serial killer back in the 70s uh he was sentenced to death 
And this was actually one of the times where they did a firing squad. Oh, yeah. Those were intense. Yeah. And, you know, he was there and all the policemen were lined up, got their pistols out, and they were like, you have any last words? And he said, let's do it. Oh. Yeah. And and that is where Nike got their motto. Just do it. <laughs> just shoot me in the face. Just do it. <laughs> that was just... I heard that this week on Astonishing Legends. For those of you who also listen to that show. I heard that and went, huh. So I had to look this up because I really wanted to know. Because I knew there was, but I figured it would just be one. Only three states still allow the use of firing squads, although lethal injection remains their primary method of execution. This was back in 2018. Oh, what three states? We got Mississippi. We got Oklahoma Hmm. and Utah. Huh. You know, I could call Oklahoma and Mississippi Utah. That's (gasps) interesting. And even more interesting, the last. 2010 really that recent wow so it says ronnie lee gardner was executed in utah for the 1984 murder of an attorney during a failed courthouse i'm sorry he shot a lawyer who wouldn't want to do that (laughs) i love the different like when you ask a question on Google, just like the different tangents things go off on. Oh, yeah. What is the most humane form of execution? What gun is used for firing squad? Nine Can millimeter. you still be hung for treason? No. So many just interesting things. That would be interesting if it was still a thing. Actually, I isn't the like um, the combat thing still still technically a, in play? Like, you could, um, instead of going to trial, you... Oh, you, murder, or, uh, you, trial by combat. Trial by combat, yeah. Technically, they never outlawed it. <laughs> so you can still... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have heard something about that recently, but I don't remember. It, it happened over in... Everything happens over in England. Of course. It happened over in England where this, um, old man got, um, a traffic ticket. And he went to court and decided instead of, you know, you know, paying the fine or anything, he said, I want trial by combat. (laughs) One of these questions (laughs) says, is trial by combat still legal in Texas? In essence, dueling is still legal. Yeah. Everything's legal in Texas. (laughs) Let's be honest. Love you, Texas. Love your food. I've never been there. We should go. I want to. We were going to. We were going to be in <laughs> Texas. Go. Once again, touchy subject. <laughs> Thanks, Rona. Right. You dick. Fine. All right. Well, today, we're not going to talk about Texas. We're going to talk about Iowa. What Never- happens in Iowa? Uh, potatoes. You know what? That's Idaho. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I honestly was like, is it? You're no. like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is a town in here that I recognized, but I probably can't find it right off the bat. Mm. It's, um... Nope. Yeah. Nope. Hmm. Alright. I know what's in Iowa, though. Somewhere in Iowa. Villisca. 
Jessica. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about today. Spoiler alert. Hey. <laughs> and I bet. Many of you have heard of the Velisca axe murders, but that's what we're going to talk about today. You can never get enough of that. Well, I mean. I'm sure. You could. People don't want to be axe murdered. No. But some of us like to hear about axe murders. Yes. Which is why I think this episode is going to be a big one. I agree. Because people like to hear about murders. Murder. Murder. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, to get into this. All right. This is serious. People died. Kids died. It may have been 1912 and far removed from us, but people still died. And. With an axe. Technically, there could still be survivors that lived in the town or around the town that knew somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. That knew somebody that was involved or. Yeah. Yeah. One quote I read is that the town is still technically divided. Really? Mm-hmm. But wow. that could just be. Well, there's not very many people who live in Villisca. Yeah, it's a tiny town. It is. In fact, before we get into the actual story, let's talk about Villisca. Let's. Villisca is a small little town in Iowa. Hold on. It's around here. History of Villisca. Not potatoes. Not potatoes. Maybe potatoes. I mean, maybe. But... I'm sure they eat potatoes in Villisca and Iowa. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love potatoes and I don't live in Idaho, so... But I do live in Indiana and I do like corn. I got it. I ah, got it. Got it. I googled it. Okay. Um... Iowa has the most pigs of any state and is the nation's top pork producer. Pigs! Thanks, Iowa. This thing stopped. Oh, there it is. Did I do something? No, you didn't. My computer. Stupid. Ugh. Okay. History of Villisca, Iowa. In the early 1900s, which is where this story takes place, the town had a population of about 2,500. That's pretty small. Yes, in comparison to what, I don't know, Fort Wayne is. But it wasn't a badly sized town. It was, you know, it was starting, it was on the up and up. There was a railroad, railroad track, very close. So normally back in the day, that would mean the towns would grow. Yeah. Transients. Hmm, yeah. Hop on a rail and see if you like it and maybe stick around for a while. Yeah. Ooh, in 1912, the town built the only publicly funded armory in the state of Iowa. Oh. That's an interesting fact. That is interesting, especially since there wasn't arms that were used in this murder. No, there wasn't. Let's see here. The company there at the armory participated in the Mexican Expedition, World War One and World War Two. Oh, and the Korean and Vietnam Wars. So, they really liked their guns. Yes. Uh, Velisco is in Montgomery County. Another fun fact about Montgomery County. During World War II, Montgomery County, Iowa, lost more men per capita than any other county in the United States. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. It is. Lots of Iowa boys. Iowa's had it rough. Sorry, guys. Whew. 
Well. Tough stuff. Yeah. It's Iowa. I'm sorry. It's still Iowa. <laughs> it's I'm... Iowa. <laughs> uh, okay. I do know somebody who lives in Iowa. Do you? I know no one in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> My stomach's making weird noises. Just ignore it. <laughs> I heard it. that. <laughs> okay. Um, today's population of Velisca is not... Okay, this isn't 100%, but the Velisca's population in 1990... Was about thirteen hundred. Ooh, it it yeah, not a lot. Mm. That number included six hundred thirty-eight families that covered four square kilometers. I say this because I've experienced certain things around here. The smaller the community, the less family trees. Hmm. Yes. And some of those branches intertwine. But that's mm. that's a different story for a different day. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it. <laughs> for example, Bluffed in Indiana. Mm. Yes, that is small town. Small town. Stay there, live there, grow up. Yeah, yeah all that. It's yeah. Very small family trees. Mm. I don't really go to Bluffton. I used to for work. Oh, oh yeah. Nice people, super nice people. Yeah, but janked up teeth. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, that's fine. One of my best friends had super janked up teeth. So I mean, my husband had super janked up teeth. Ooh, I remember his were. <laughs> they were going every which way. <laughs> that's just so funny to me. How your teeth are like. What do people way back in the day do? They just had jacked up teeth. Yeah. There's not much to do about it. Um, evolution. Evolution messed us up more. Really? Hmm. Well, it's like people would need all of their um, molars, especially back in the old caveman days, because they would need to rip. Mm, yeah. Um, so... They used to use their third molars more. That's why we have third molars is because we needed them. Hmm. And now we don't have to tear into our food like that. We can cook it, make it tender, make it easier to chew. So that's why wisdom teeth aren't as necessary. And they kind of just grow in the way they feel like because evolution. Well, then I feel like if evolution really is going to take over, then we shouldn't have wisdom teeth at all. There's a lot of people that are missing their wisdom teeth. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Okay, I did not know that. And it's usually a genetic thing. Teeth talk with Jensen. <laughs> We're going to make that a segment. Tooth talk with Jensen. Tooth talk with Jensen. <laughs> Let me that's answer good. your questions about teeth. <laughs> that's good. I've learned too much about teeth today. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened on June 9th, 1912. And it was not the sinking of the Titanic. Pretty sure that was in like May. April. April. I was April. close, man. Darn. Okay. Small tangent. Tiniest little tangent. I saw this TikTok today that there apparently. Do you ever see that YouTube video of like the realistic video of the Titanic sinking? Yes. That is, that was supposed to be like, um, something for a game. Oh. 
It's still technically being developed, but you can download the demo and you can do a walkthrough of the Titanic. Like you can go through and see like literally how it was set up and they're working with like experts and stuff like that. I meant to download it today and then I forgot. Of course. But I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. We should do the Titanic on one of these episodes. Okay. (laughs) That's a good one, too. Spoiler alert. Yay! Okay. June 9th, 1912. I'm sorry, trying to figure out how to word this first sentence. Set the scene. Setting. Okay, we're going to set the scene. Okay. It was Sunday. And they all were going to church because on that night they were having well they not sorry that day they were having children's day i don't know what children's day is but it was at the presbyterian church it was right down the road so the moors this is the family we're going to be talking about the moors left and went off to church and the mother Sarah, Sarah Moore coordinated all the exercises. She brought her children. She had, they had four. They had four kids. I'm trying to do a lot of this by memory. I'm sorry. It's not all written correctly. I can give you their names and ages. Yes. What are their names and their ages? So the dad's name was Josiah, but I think I read somewhere where they called him J.B., he was 43. We had wife Sarah, who was 39. And their kids were Herman, age 11. Mary, age 10. Arthur, age 7. And Paul, age 5. Oh. Okay. So they were all at church. And I hate you. Not you. My husband. It's fine. I hate him too. (laughs) All right. So they were all at church. And also, their friends, Lena and Ina Stillinger, were also at the Children's Day exercises. They were all having fun. And the Moors were like, hey, why don't you guys come and spend the night? So they're like, yeah, awesome. Let's do that. So they called over to their parents, made sure it was okay. And right around, they said it was okay. So around, oh, nine o'clock, 9.30, everything got over. The program ended and the family and the Stillinger sisters walked home from church. Wasn't a long walk. They got home somewhere between 9.45 to 10 o'clock. And that was the last time anyone saw them. So on to June 10th, the next day. At around 5 a.m., their neighbor, Mary Peckham, went out to the yard to hang her laundry. And then around 7 o'clock, she realized that None of the Moors were outside doing anything, chores or nothing. It was quiet, which was really odd for 
where they lived and, you know, that time. They would normally be up around five-ish doing chores, feeding chickens, doing all that. Doing all their work. Doing all their work. But it was very still. So between 7 and 8 a.m., Mary went up to the house, knocked on the door, but no one answered. So she, to be nice, went out and let the chickens out. I like that she tried to also go into their house. Oh, yeah. She tried to open the door. (laughs) She's like, hey, guys, you there? No? No. Let me let myself in real quick. (laughs) Well, I suppose if you're that neighbor, she may have been that neighbor, the nosy neighbor. See, I would say that, but then on to, like, what happens next. (laughs) The fact that she doesn't go in. Yeah. I feel like says a little bit, but at the same time, she was probably like, mm, sketch. But because, okay, so what happens next is since she couldn't get into the house after she let the chickens out, she went back home and called um, Josiah Moore's brother, Ross Moore. So I'm wondering, after Ross came, she stayed on the porch because, well... He's their family. Yeah. Like, so oh, I probably shouldn't intrude. Yeah, I, I, I'll stay here. So he got to the house. Well, she huh? did go up onto the porch. Yeah. So she got. So she was probably on. peeking in, but she didn't go inside. She may not have actually seen anything. How nosy is this woman? Is what I want to know. She sounds no. I mean, look, her name just screams nosy woman. Mm-hmm. She was probably. Like, oh, I'll let your chickens out. Mm. Look, 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 look. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so Ross gets there. Tried to look into the bedroom bedroom windows. Couldn't see anything. There was something in the way. So knocked on the door, shouted. No one was answering the door. So finally, he got out his keys. He had a key to his brother's house. So he opened the door. I have a key to your house. That's true. So, you can come in and find us the way he found his family. Well, I don't want us to find you. I uh, probably won't come over. That's fine. I'll just call. I understand. And when I don't get an answer, I'll <laughs> just assume that Tyler's at work forever. <laughs> yeah, forever. <laughs> so, okay. Went into the door. And he, right through the door, there was a room off of what the front was called the parlor went into that room where he found two bodies and those bodies were of the stillinger sisters lena who was 12 and ina who was eight he did not go any farther into the house ran outside and said mary call the marshal so i saw something that said call the sheriff call the sheriff but then I also saw something about a city official. Mm-hmm. I know there was a time where there weren't police. Mm-hmm. And I didn't bother to look up when that was. So my guess is that maybe there was like kind of a law enforcement in place. Well, that's what this guy was. So yeah. the city marshal, sheriff, it's technically all the same thing. It's just the early police. Yeah. And especially for a small town, it's not like you needed a big police force. Yeah. It was mostly petty crimes. I guess when I think, like, I'm, I guess I'm kind of thinking, like, old western sheriff. 
Oh, yeah. They probably did have sheriffs before they had, like, regular police. Yeah. I could absolutely look this up, and I'm not going to right now. But. No, it was it was 100% a thing back in the Old West. It was. It was a sheriff and maybe one or two deputies, and they kind of kept the peace. And they didn't need a police force. They maybe didn't do it. Great. Well, but they tried, I guess. Okay, that makes more sense as opposed to, I was like, they said sheriff, and then it said something about a city marshal. But yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean they did of. they did have police. It was you know they did have their law enforcement and detectives. They had all that. It was just for a small town, you didn't really need a big force. True. So that's who got called over was City Marshal Hank Horton came over and went through all the upstairs bedrooms where he found everyone else brutally murdered in their beds. Their skulls crushed as they slept. Hmm. So, the murders were discovered. The news traveled quite quickly through a very small town. Neighbors, onlookers, all just started to converge on the house. And unfortunately, because they didn't have exactly a big police force, well, they lost control of the crime scene. This is one of the biggest screw-ups, I think, ever in any kind of murder where people I would say like l- literally right in line with like the John Bonet Ramsey because mm. like I mean there's so few cases in which people just trampled all over the crime scene Everywhere. and not that they could necessarily get a ton of forensic evidence at that time. Well, fingerprinting was a thing. It was very new, but yeah. it was a thing. But like DNA is not anything at that time and but they still should have had it um roped off or taking control i can't imagine like hearing about something and feeling the need to go into that house and see i know there's crime scene photos Mm. i didn't look at them i've seen them that's disturbing yeah it's i'm sure it's one of those things where i don't it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me because I dissociate from it so easily that I'm just like, oh, it looks fake. So even <laughs> yeah. though I know it's not fake, but yeah, I just can't imagine going in there like the smells and like seeing a five-year-old mm. bludgeon to death and Poor like feeling Paul. the need to keep going. And people would like. T- they they took things out of the house as souvenirs. They would just take things. Oh my God. I know. It was oh, so horrible. But finally, the National Guard was called in to take control of everything. They cordoned off the area, secured the home, finally got everyone's butts out of there. Oh, God. <clears throat> finally, we're able to go through the house. So, I've got a few bullet points. This is what they found in the house so eight people were bludgeoned to death more than likely it was presumably with an axe obviously there was blood on the axe they were kind of sure it was the axe and it was actually the moore's axe it was theirs a lot of people think that oh my god an axe murder that's freaking crazy because that doesn't exactly happen today yeah i mean it happens sure but not a lot but back then Every house had an axe. 
And they were just like sitting outside. Yeah, they were just everywhere. They had to chop up their wood for mm-hmm. their wood burning stoves and their fireplaces to keep warm. And yeah. so it was a much more prevalent thing to happen to just grab an axe and then oh, go kill somebody. So, whereas saying it's an axe murder sounds bad, it was, I mean, it was still bad, but it wasn't as unheard of. Doctors estimated time of death somewhere very shortly after midnight. Uh, Curtains were drawn on all the windows, except for two. Two windows did not have curtains. Those windows were covered with the clothing that belonged to the Moors. So this guy took the time to cover all the windows. All the victims' faces were covered with the bedclothes after they were killed. A kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah, the parents. The chimney was off and the wick had been turned back. A similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls. The chimney on that lamp was also turned off. The axe was found in the room with the Stillinger girls. It was bloody, but you could tell that an attempt was made to wipe off the blood. The ceilings in the parents' room and the children's room showed gouge marks made by the upswing of the axe. I don't know where that is. A pan of bloody water was discovered on the kitchen table, as well as a plate of uneaten food. There was a big thing of bacon left out. (laughs) It just seems so odd. Like, of all the things, just like a big old slab of bacon. Like, let me kill some people. But I'm going to bring this slab of bacon with me real quick. Yeah. And then just leave it. Probably got blood on it. He didn't want it anymore. Mm. (laughs) It's just... It's just crazy. You can go ahead and kill all these people, and I'm gonna just get off some bacon. I'm gonna eat, just eat a big some old bacon, slab of bacon. Yeah, it's, yeah, whatever. And, and it wasn't just on the table either. It was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom, next to the axe. Probably fell out of his pocket. He was like, "This is what I came for." I guess he was probably upset once he realized, bacon. or she realized. Uh, whoever. <laughs> Oh, the Dr. Lindquist, who was the coroner, who went through and and jotted down all of this stuff, also made a note that one of Sarah's shoes, the mom, was found on Josiah's side of the bed. The shoe was found on its side. However, it had blood inside as well as underneath of it. So his assumption was that the shoe had been upright when... Josiah was first struck, blood ran off the bed into the shoe, and then he theorized that the killer later returned to the bed to maybe inflict additional blows onto Josiah and knocked the shoe over, which is why they found out where it was. 
So that's what happened. We don't know 100% everything that happened. Really, we just know that. Just theories. Yeah, just theories. This family was minding their own business, having fun. The girls had a sleepover. They were having a sleepover. They were a wealthy, well-liked family Mm -hmm. involved in the church. Um, It seems to me, if I had any kind of theories away from knowing the suspects and everything, obviously the dad was the main target. He's the only one who actually had um wounds from the blade side of the axe the rest were technically bludgeoned um he received more blows than anybody else did um they also um he was let me see i wrote it down He received more blows than anyone else. His face was cut so badly that his eyes were missing. Oh, they liquefied. I read that. So I feel like he was probably the target and the rest was just to clean up the mess. They were in the way. Why would, I mean. No witnesses. Even if they're kids. But they were all asleep. I did also read something that said... One of them woke up. There is a chance that it was one of... It was probably Lena. One of the Stillinger girls. Woke up and... Who was the older one and fought back. Mm -hmm. But still... Obviously, 12-year-old girl against a guy wielding an axe. Unfortunately, she lost. I did also read a theory that... Um, it was a woman that was alive during that time and Hmm. this guy interviewed her and it was something like a woman came into town for a funeral, but she wasn't allowed to do certain things. I kind of like grazed over it. Hmm. Um, but the theory was that it was a woman because there was supposedly moccasin footprints um, leading away from the house and that it was supposed to be uh, like 11 houses north instead of 11 houses south or something like that. So it was like hmm. the wrong family that got targeted. Oh. But that's just a theory by a woman that lived there. Oh, wow. But let's talk about the suspects. Even though Who done it? this is an unsolved case and one of these people were tried not once but twice oh and i didn't write it down i don't think because i'm stupid it's okay it's fine it's fine so there are seven notable suspects in this case let's start with what would be the most interesting but not the person who probably did it okay so Number one, Mr. Andrew Sawyer. Mm. So, 6 a.m. on the day of the murder, the day the murders were discovered, Thomas Dyer, who was a bridge foreman and a pile driver for the Burlington Railroad, was approached by Andy Sawyer. He was clean shaven. He was wearing a brown suit. um, But the pants 
were wet nearly to his knees and his shoes were covered in mud. He asked for a job and because they needed somebody extra, even though this was super weird, um, Thomas Dyer said, sure, come on. So um, the crew was traveling. They reached Fontenelle, Iowa, and Andy Sawyer bought a newspaper. And obviously the front page was the murders. in um this article which of course it's interesting you had a town full of people go to the murder scene like but you think it's weird that this guy's taking special interest in a newspaper like dude crime like people love learning about true crime it doesn't matter what day and age you live in (laughs) no like literally people showed up yeah (laughs) but apparently um dyer thought that was weird so he kept that in mind. Um, the crew said that um, it was really weird because Sawyer would sleep with his clothes on and would be anxious to be by himself. That's just smart. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like he work? didn't have a change of clothes or anything. What mm-hmm. do you want him to do? Like get down to his skivvies like i think it'd be more naked more weird if somebody was sleeping next to me naked (laughs) and maybe that's what it was at the time but uh, personally that would seem more weird to me yeah and to not want to be by yourself he was lonely he was transient so he probably just wanted some friends yeah he wanted the company um (laughs) here's where he loses me a touch Mm. he liked to sleep with his axe at his side so I kind of understand that as well. Protection wise, he yeah. doesn't know these people. He's exactly. a new guy. Who's to say he's not going to be attacked? They already think he's weird. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't really blame him for sleeping with an ex. Thank you. I don't. It made them uneasy. But who's to say that none of those other people had a weapon on them? You know what I mean? He spoke oft. He often spoke of the murders and asked frequently about whether the murder murderer had been apprehended. Once again, it's not that weird. Like there's essentially a madman on the loose. Like I would love to know if he got caught. Exactly. (laughs) Like I don't, if there was a serial killer in Fort Wayne and they were targeting literally anybody in this area, wouldn't you be a little bit afraid? Like, ooh, has he been caught yet? Like, sure hope so. Exactly. (laughs) So I don't, once again, think it's that weird. Yes, sir. Do you have a question? Or would it be because I'm not here? It's probably you. It probably would be you. You're the murderer. Damn it. So... Uh, Sawyer reportedly told Dyer that he had been in Villisca the night of the murders and was afraid um, of being taken in as a suspect. So he went to Creston and that's where he found Dyer. Once again, he's a transient. The biggest thing they talked about was the fact that it probably wasn't somebody from the area. Mm -hmm. And with it being right by a railroad, it's an easy and easy out for a possible murder suspect. Mm -hmm. 
if he's new in that area and somebody's like, hey, that guy I've never seen before, he probably killed somebody and not my neighbor, Mary. It's probably <laughs> not Mary. I've known her my whole life. So, of course, he was probably nervous. None of these things to me make sense. I think it's a matter of convenience. And Mr. Dyer had to put his nose where he didn't belong. He had oh, to feel yeah. important. And he wasn't. himself in this story. Another point where I just think it was hearsay. I think it was people didn't like this guy, which if you didn't like him, just fire him. <laughs> Let him go. Yeah. Dyer turned Sawyer into the sheriff on June 18th, 1912. But before the sheriff could arrive, Dyer, or let's see, Dyer walked up behind Sawyer he was rubbing his hand, head with both hands and suddenly jumped up and said to himself, I will cut your goddamn heads off. Ah. At the same time, he made striking motions with the axe and began hitting the piles in front of him. You don't sneak up on someone. Yeah. And like, what if he had heard that he turned him into the sheriff yeah. or like it was going around? Oh, yeah. He was oh. probably just messing with him. I've heard of... Of the stories that go around on the railroad, 12-year-old girls. Exactly. <laughs> Men are catty little bitches. Yes, they are. So, Dyer's son, um, J.R., testified that Sawyer told him he would show him where the man who killed the Moore family got out of town. He said the man that did the job jumped over a manure box which he pointed out about a block and a half away and then showed where he crossed the railroad track. JR said there were footprints in the soggy ground north of the embankment. Sawyer told JR to look on the other side of the car and he said he would show him an old tree where the murderer stepped into the creek. According to JR Dyer, he looked over and saw a tree south of the track. So pretty much this the son of um dyer is sitting here and saying like yeah this weirdo told me all these very specific details but it's literally their word against his like mm-hmm. so fortunately for andrew sawyer's or fortunately for andrew sawyer he was dismissed as a subject suspect am i having a stroke <laughs> in the case when officials learned that he'd prove he had been in Osceola, Iowa, on the night of the murders. Look at you. He had been arrested for vagrancy there, and the Osceola sheriff recalled putting him on the train at approximately 11 p.m. the evening. That's called an alibi, and -hmm. it's substantiated by law enforcement. Boom. Poor Andrew Sawyer. No kidding. Probably a fucking weirdo. Probably that kid in class that didn't have any friends because he's really in to Dungeons and Dragons. Probably. But he just wants friends. Everyone just wants friends. Poor <sighs> guy. The Dyers seem like real assholes, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, I agree. I mean, you know that his kid was just making up some shit. He was like, my daddy turned you in and this is what... Like, they should have been arrested mm-hmm. for lying to the police. They should have. No one hardly ever gets arrested for no, that. No, that's a Casey Anthony did when she should have been arrested for murdering her child. Mm. But she just got arrested for lying to law enforcement. God, How is that possible? I don't. Uh, I Anyways. Don't. Mm. 
next suspect. <laughs> My favorite reverend. Just kidding. He's a piece of shit. Just uh He's my favorite suspect. Just a little star next to his name. It shouldn't say Reverend. No, it shouldn't. So, (laughs) Reverend Kelly was an English-born traveling minister, which sounds sus anyways. That seems really culty, if I'm going to be honest. He's from England. A traveling minister. Those were a thing, though. Back in the day. It was a thing. Well, that's what Salem had. Yeah. A traveling minister. Mm, Sure did. So... Reverend Kelly was described as peculiar. Mm. <laughs> That's mm. to take it mildly. <laughs> mm. Reportedly having suffer- suffered a mental breakdown as an a- as an adolescent. Listen, didn't we all? Okay, that's yeah. not that's not the reason he's peculiar, but his mental status <laughs> does not have anything to do with the fact that he's weird. Because he was a weird kid. Yeah. You don't, mm. not everyone continues in that path. Well. <laughs> Here's where it goes downhill. As an adult, he was accused of peeping and several times asking young women and girls to pose nude for him. Reverend. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> he should have been just arrested for being a weirdo. <laughs> On June 8th, 1912, he came to Villisca to teach at the Children's Day Services. And I think we all know who was there that day. The Moors and the Stillingers. Yes. He left town between 5 and 5.30 a.m. on June 10th, hours before the bodies were discovered. Hmm. Reverend Kelly confessed to the murders in court, but the jury didn't believe his confession yeah that's how weird you have to be for them to be like this guy seems sketchy but not this kind of sketchy like a different kind of sketchy yeah (sighs) in the weeks that followed he displayed a fascination with the case okay but that's if that's gonna be the reoccurring theme here it's not even notable because aren't we all aren't we all fascinated i mean we're talking about it This aroused suspicion, but what? Like, how? So he wrote many letters to the police investigators and the family of the Moors, which is messed up. That just means he's crazy. That doesn't mean he's guilty. That's just a weird kind of, like, douchey thing to do, especially if you're a reverend. I just don't think he had any, like, awareness about him. He was not aware of, like, his weirdness. (laughs) He was probably very mentally ill. He probably needed a lot of help. And he shouldn't have been a reverend. (laughs) Uh, Like, can you be unreverend? I have a feeling you can. I feel like Jesus loved him a little bit less. Just kidding. (laughs) Jesus doesn't love anyone less. Um... But one of the a private investigators actually wrote back um, and asked for details, like, to see if he would know anything about the murders. Uh, Reverend Kelly replied with great detail, claimed to have heard sounds and po- possibly witnessed the murders. If you're going to witness the murders, though, you did it. Yeah. There was no witnesses. Yeah. 
His known mental illness made authorities question whether he knew the details because of having committed the murders or was imagining his account, which is fair because if you only know certain details and not even the investigators know, it's so easy to go like, yep, I went from this room to this room and I killed this person and this person like they only have they can only speculate because there's only so much evidence yeah i mean you could just make up any story and be like but no one else knows that exactly exactly i mean neither do we we can't prove it (laughs) so (laughs) oh reverend kelly it just gets worse in 1914 two years after the murders Reverend Kelly was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail. Mm. He was sexually harassing a woman who applied for a job as his secretary. That poor woman. He was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, the National Mental Hospital in Washington, D.C. Investigators speculated again that Kelly could be the murderer of the Moore family. I don't think he was. Any mental health expert would look at that and go, no. No, no, I definitely was... don't think he was. He was just crazy. Oh, crazy Reverend Kelly. <laughs> that poor woman was like, I'm going to get a job as a secretary for this nice reverend. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> in, in 1917, Kelly was arrested for the Villisca murders. Police obtained a confession from him. After many hours of interrogation, he recanted. And after two trials, he was acquitted. So he did not do it. He did not do it, probably. He More was just crazy. Yeah. So, like, poor Andrew Sawyer is over here like, I just made a couple random comments. I'm sorry. I was just interested in murder. Which, I am also interested in murder, and I haven't killed anybody. Yet. Yet. Knock on wood. <laughs> But you got old Reverend over here sending dick pics through the mail, and he's, (laughs) but he's still not guilty. I really don't think he did it. But if he did, what a great way to distract from being guilty than to act crazier than shit. Well, a lot of people do that nowadays anyways. Yeah. Hmm. But we're a lot smarter now. Eh. (laughs) Eh. Idiocracy. Mm. Am I right? Oh, yes. That is a thing. So this is kind of a two-parter. I don't necessarily believe the first one. The second one seems more likely to me. Yes, I agree with that. So, Frank Fernando Jones. What a name. (laughs) He lived in Villisca. Do you always want to say Vasilla? I do. I do. Villisca. Villisca. And he was an Iowa State Senator. That means he hmm. had money. Hmm. Um, actually, Josiah Moore had worked for him in his implement store, whatever that is. Um, it is a farming supply store. Got it. Cool. Oh, nope. I would have figured that out in just a second. <laughs> <laughs> Before leaving to open his own store, um, Moore reportedly took business away from Jones, which if he opened his own store, then... Yeah. And he got a very um successful John Deere dealership. More oh, yeah. 
Moore was rumored to have had a sexual affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, though no evidence supports this. I think that just goes towards, like, rumor mill. Mm -hmm. Um, Essentially, of course he would be after him if he stole money from him, especially since the Moores ended up being wealthy. Because of John Deere. Heck yeah. John Deere tractors. (laughs) So, the second part of this, um, which is probably what happened, is that Senator Jones hired William Blackie Mansfield to murder the Moore family, which seems way more likely-ish. So, it's believed that Mansfield was a serial killer because he murdered his wife, infant child, and parent... um, and his in-laws with an axe two years after the Velisca crimes. But that, again, brings to my earlier comment of, it was so much easier to find an axe lying around and kill someone with it. Yes. I mean, anyone could have do it. I mean, they had guns, right? Oh, yeah, they had guns. But if you don't happen to have a gun on you, I mean, and hey, also, there's an axe. Guns are very loud. That's true. Axes are not. If you hear something chopping, you're like, huh, they're just chopping wood, not someone's head. Um, He is believed to have committed the axe murders in Paula, Kansas, four days before the Velisca crimes. Which seems a little far-fetched because that's very little time between murders, especially if he was hired for a one. Unless he was like, I'm going to try it out here first, see Mm -hmm. how this goes, and then go here. Mm -hmm. But it seems like a lot of traveling, especially during that time. But I don't know how close those two places are. Yeah. It just seems like a lot to do in a few days. He was also suspected in the double homicide of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Illinois. Each crime scene was accessible by train, and all murders were carried out in virtually the same manner. Which, I mean, if he is going to use the railroad, you can get anywhere. Oh, They yeah. just keep going. Hmm. You know, trains. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> um... Mansfield was released after a special grand jury of Montgomery County refused to indict him on grounds that his alibi checked out. However, there is, let's see, boom, boom, boom. There is somebody who would have disproven his alibi. So, but I'll get back to that. So, so far, that's three axe murder sets. So, serial killer. Mm-hmm. Nine months before the murders at Villisca, a similar case of axe murders occurred in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Two axe murder cases followed in Ellsworth, Kansas and Paola, Kansas. The cases were similar enough to raise the possibility of having been committed by the same person. Other murders reportedly as possibly being linked to these crimes include the numerous unsolved axe murders along the Southern Pacific Railroad from 1911 to 1912. Other murders during this time, and my personal favorite... The Unsolved Axemen of New Orleans. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. 
I love that, but at the same time, like, mm-hmm. it's the same MO, essentially. But, like, did he just decide to have a little fun in the middle where he's like, you better play some jazz. <laughs> We're going to get murdered. Oh, that's a fun story, and I'm going to cover that more in depth at a later date. It is a fun story. But that one as well, slight spoiler, the axes were belonged to the people of the houses. Yeah. They were just sitting outside. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the same MO, but like you said, everyone had axes. Yeah. Um, the murders in Colorado Springs were closely related in execution to those in the Moore house. Um murdered with axes families wife child um just everyone in the house and so it's literally in this one um windows were covered um just to make sure nobody could see it see in the murder in colorado springs but wiped the blood off his axe and covered the heads of his victims so it's the same mo Uh uh-huh if nothing else, these two are related. But if these two are related, then it means a lot more related because it's just the same thing over and over. Uh-huh. Mansfield was also the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency of Kansas City and Detective James Newton Wilkerson, who suggested that he was a cocaine-addicted serial killer. He was on coke. He was having a good time. Uh, who wasn't on coke? <laughs> but here's what I'm just scratching my head about. If this man, William Blackie Mansfield, was hired, how did Frank Jones know the serial killer? Mm. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, being a kind of a big deal, he was a senator, right? He was a senator. I mean... Getting to that place, you more than likely do know a lot of CD people who could then introduce you to more CD people. But then who's to say that this senator wouldn't turn around and be like, this guy did it? Because who's to say that um, Blackie's not coming after you? It's a nickname. Yeah. I'm not just saying that. It's a uh, nickname. I mean, he probably, if this is true probably had some evidence saying that this guy hired me Mm. therefore he can't just turn him in it just seems convenient to be like uh Mm. frank jones was mad at the moors so he hired somebody to kill his whole family yeah no the whole family thing i think is a bit much i mean if you were gonna hire someone to kill someone else you could probably have someone kill Josiah while he was out feeding the pigs exactly. or something. Yeah. I don't, that's where, like that's where I don't think there's that connection, but <sighs> what I think doesn't matter. No. What everybody thinks doesn't matter. Cause it'll never be solved. No, Which unfortunately. Is, it's super upsetting. Cause even I, I, after what I've read is if they could have just saved some of the evidence, I mean, it probably wouldn't have worked by now. But if DNA was a thing, they could have caught the guy because they found two um, two cigarette butts. Like there was the cigarette butts. Um, ugh. There's footprints. And, I also read something. I think it was that same eleven houses both ways that there mm-hmm. 
if they would have just looked in like the front hallway closet or something like that because there was um batting in there mm. for like crafting yeah and there was indentations of somebody like sitting on it or stepping on it so if they would have just looked in there, hmm. they wouldn't have been attacked in their sleep. But once again, that's still just speculation. Yeah, no. Ugh. And it's so upsetting. And ugh. I just, it just gets me that people just went into the house like, it was an active crime scene. So. This me off. Sorry. Onwards. All of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner. Indicating that the same man probably committed them, uh-huh. which makes sense. Wilkerson stated that he could prove that Mansfield was present in each of the differing cases, crime scenes on the night of the murders. Mirrors were in the homes were covered. A burning lamp with the chimney off was left at the foot of the bed in a basin in which the murder washed, um, washed off was found in the kitchen he specifically the murderer specifically avoided leaving fingerprints because his fingerprints were on file because mansfield was on file yeah somehow wilkerson managed to convince a grand oh nope sorry there's so many names in this Uh, yes there are (laughs) (laughs) wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury to open an investigation he was arrested um Payroll records placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of Aliska murders. He was released for lack of evidence. He won a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, and then from that, it says Wilkerson believed that pressure from Jones resulted not only in Mansfield's release, but also the subsequent arrest and trial of Reverend Kelly. But back to what I said earlier... His alibi was proven, um, or disproven, I should say, and Miss Vina Tompkins was on her way to testify um, that she heard three men in the woods plotting the murder of the Moore family a short time before the killings. Three men? That's not the first time I've heard of a multiple murderers the only reason that doesn't make sense to me is so they kill josiah they kill sarah then they go to kill the kids mm-hmm. they're all staying asleep but there's only one axe found mm. there's no additional weapons found there's one meal set out that's uneaten it just doesn't seem like a multiple person thing. That's true. I think that's just another person that was just like, mm, I want to be a part of this. Uh, yeah. Um, we got Henry Lee Moore. Um, he was convicted of the murder of his mother and grandmother several months after the murders in Villisca. His weapon of choice being an axe. So pretty much anybody oh, who poor. looked at an axe, they were like, mm, mm. possibly, mm-hmm. but probably not. <laughs> um, apparently the striking, there was, I all mean, the cases showed striking similar- similarities. It's an it's axe an murder. Axe. What the, you, like, it's going to be similar. There's only one of two ways that you can use an axe in an axe murder. <laughs> I, I like I mean that's like saying Lizzie Borden killed this family <laughs> because she used an axe. Like it doesn't make sense. No. 
I also really like the Lizzie Borden case because she got away with it. Oh. And I think that's a boss move right there. Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy, but... A good story. We'll talk about that one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, But pretty much, they think just like... So, Mansfield was probably a serial killer. Henry Lee Moore was probably a serial killer. There's not enough evidence to say one way or the other, but just because they were a serial killer who used axes does not mean they are the ones that killed this family. No, yeah. Um, Josiah's brother-in-law was looked at. Um, he often threatened to kill Josiah. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, Tyler threatens to kill David all, all the, the time. time. Just I kidding. He's going to actually do it. Yeah. I don't think. No, he would kill me before he killed. Um, he threatens babe. to kill me a lot. Just put that on record right now. <laughs> Tyler did it. So It's the, always the husband. It's always the husband. <laughs> Nothing. So the last one is Paul Mueller, but... I do want to do a whole other episode on Paul Mueller. So he is another suspect, but that his story goes into a lot. So I'm going to discuss that at a later date. So that is all my information. Hopefully a little bit more put together than my information about the Salem witch trials. Um, but essentially it's hard to say because it's unsolved. It's going to be unsolved. I mean, no one, no Forever. one knows. Yeah. You could put, um, if you go to, let me find the website before I say this or even attempt to. If I could spell, it'd probably be a lot easier. It is com. And it's a whole website dedicated to the Velisca Axe murders. Uh -huh. So I got a lot of my information from there. I also got a lot of information from Wikipedia because, of course, I did. <laughs> um, but there is... Nope. I don't want to watch a video. There is some really interesting things, um, like linked, um, linked articles and just things that... The guy who runs the site has looked through, and um, I think the most interesting thing about, from what I've read on that website, is that the house was considered a historical building. So, you go through Velisca, and it's like all these, like, more modern houses, and then you just, oh, look, it's the Velisca Axe murder house. Yeah. You can take tours. Um, I think there's a contest right now where you could like stay overnight in it. Don't know why you would want to do that. I don't want to stay in a house where somebody was murdered. It's haunted. That's just me. I, I like scary things. I don't want to go. I don't like haunted houses. Oh, yeah. We, we discussed that. Like. Next week, you guys are going to have a treat, uh, about me talking about something that's haunted. That'll be fun. But I did read about the Velisca uh, murder house, and it is supposedly haunted. And they say that it's haunted by all eight members who were 
who were killed there, you're going to get a lot of activity from the children. And uh, some people have said they've even heard possibly the Stillinger sisters with EVPs. I would just hope that I think it's really sad that their parents, like they were supposed to have brunch with their grandma that day. And And instead they wanted to go hang out with their friends. Typical. And then they get murdered. And yeah, so they have to sit here and live with the fact that their two young daughters, I don't know if they had more kids or not, like not like after that, but I don't know if those were their only two children or what. There's really not that I found a lot of information about the Stellingers other than the fact that they were supposed to have that brunch and yeah never happened like can you imagine like once again this horrible vicious crime occurs and all these people are coming in and you know the parents went in there and Uh. had to find their daughters and people just like gawking at their dead children and one of them obviously had fought back yeah no (sighs) there's no way i could ever imagine that which really is sucks my daughter spending the night over her friend's house tonight yeah yeah good good to think about that good stuff uh, but unfortunately it's just something you can't avoid it it's no. gonna happen like bad things happen bad things happen and if we could prevent it then obviously yes but we can't that's no, just life you can't always and i know it's just when you have kids, it's just a whole other thing. I get it. That's so horrible. But. Bummer. Yeah. Well, that's the end of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you are thoroughly freaked out. And if you have an axe lying around your house, I might put that up somewhere. Hide it. You so You never that's... know. You never know who's going to just pick up an axe and come into your house. That's why I don't like blades. Mm. Mm-mm. I have a sword. Don't like any kinds of blades. It's hidden, though, so it's fine. I think it's because I saw probably an episode on Investigation Discovery about being stabbed and your heart rate increases and it um, makes your blood pump more and that's how you bleed out quicker. Oh, great. Yep. Mm, Fun facts. Fun facts with Jensen. (laughs) I know all kinds of random (laughs) shit about random shit. Can we all just congratulate me on the fact that I barely dropped any curse words on this episode? Good job, Jensen. I probably said um a lot, but that's just what I do. I say so a lot. But (laughs) I'm proud of myself for keeping this like (laughs) PG-13. You're welcome, everyone. Good job. That's okay. I don't we don't get anything negative about it. it. Just happens shit happens see just one for the road (laughs) all right well after this episode i do need a joke yes we're gonna tell me a joke joke let's find a good one i love laffy taffy rapper jokes they (laughs) crack me up or popsicle stick jokes those are some of my favorites oh those are good i do like those they're very punny (laughs) puns are the best (laughs) Jokes, jokes, jokes. How do you get a squirrel to like you? (laughs) Act like a nut. (laughs) (laughs) 
I saw this um, TikTok. I sent it to David. It makes me laugh really hard because it's a skeleton. It's a guy like making a skeleton move. And he said, what's a skeleton's favorite meal? The guy's like, I don't know. He's like, yes. And he like (laughs) goes off. I'll have to show you when it's over. But the punchline is spare ribs. And it's so funny to me because like i just wanted to know what it was so bad but it's a really funny tiktok everyone That's should good. watch tiktoks because they make me laugh uh, thank you guys for joining us if you have any questions or concerns or anything you can email me heather at fortweirdpodcast.com or you know get on facebook instagram at fortweirdpod you can message me there i will answer People will tell you I answer. But everyone have a wonderful day, and I hope you will join me next week for another spooky episode. Bye! The existence of this.